You know, when you think about it, division is one of the most detrimental and damaging things in our lives, particularly when it comes to our relationships and also within the church. But what is the cure to end division? Well, that's exactly what we're going to be talking about. So turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and let's get into it. Hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word. Jason Emin is with you as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we continue to do a verse-by-verse study in the book 1 Corinthians. And I pray that it's been a blessing to you guys as we are diving into this rich book that explores these new believers in a Greek culture who are still struggling with a lot of fleshly desires. You know, oftentimes when people come to faith, that doesn't mean that they're completely healed and restored in every aspect in their life. If there is still trauma, that doesn't mean that it completely goes away. In some cases, we have seen that. I've seen that as a pastor. Somebody gives their life to Jesus Christ and they're indwelt at that moment in time with the power of the Holy Spirit. They become a temple of the Holy Spirit. They've been redeemed. They've been washed clean. They've been born again. And whatever addictions they had, porn, drugs, alcohols, gone. And just this overwhelming forgiveness and peace and hope. And so whatever uh, problems relationally they've had in the past, it's just gone as well. They've given it to the Lord. But in in a lot of other cases, um, that may not be the case. And so when we talk about division today, we have to understand that first and foremost, we have to look within our own hearts. We just talked in podcast 226 on evaluating yourself before the day of judgment. This carries into this next phase that we have to look at the intents of our own heart. We have to look at the purposes of our heart. Remember, if you go back to verse five, he says, therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. And of course, that famous phrase that I pray will touch you, my friends, is that each one will receive his commendation, his not just recommendation, it's it's his praise from God. Now, it's not on our own doing that God praises us, but when he says, well done, good and faithful servant, he's acknowledging, he's praising you publicly, he's affirming you with the work you did in obedience to him. So this is so important as we're now diving into this cure for division. We have to look within first to say, are you purposefully undermining authority? I just, just thinking as I uh, is recording here in the studio and looking at this passage that is before us, I'm considering a lot of counsel that I was giving certain colleagues, people in the ministry, even this past week. And one of the biggest focal points is do not create more division. So what is the cure for that? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at as we dive into verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And again, as always, if you've missed any previous podcast, wherever you get your podcast, make sure that you guys check those things out. You can always go to standstrongministries.org and you can get the podcast there. And there's other resources, videos, articles, and books that I've written that are available for you. Um, to take advantage of. Leave us a review. Share this with your friends. 
we are seeing a massive uh, explosion of this podcast, praise the Lord, because you know what it tells me is that people are hungry for God's word and that's what matters. They're hungry for God's word. They want to not be um, ignorant. They want to know his word and, and to let his word speak to them, restore them, guide them, refresh them, convict them, empower them. And that's what I pray this conversation that we have in God's word today, this lesson will do for you. So that's, that's where we pick things up here in verse six. Now, we, we're more than likely going to do a two-part on this cure for division in the church from verses 6 through 21. So we'll kind of see, we'll play by ear to see how much we get through today. Um, but let me just read this passage for you guys in in its proper context so that you have a better understanding of what we're actually going to be you know, diving into. Um, and then as we do that, let's kind of start getting into this discussion because let me tell you, if we could reduce a lot of the division today, that will drastically, I believe, change our focus, our in- our intent, our our purpose, our motivation. Okay, so I pray this will really speak to you. Now, notice here in verse six, Paul continues. Now and he says, "I have applied all these things to myself in Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written." that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against another. For who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive if then you received it? Why do you boast if you did not receive it? Already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us you have become kings. And would that, and would that you did reign so that we might share the rule with you? For I think that God has exhibited us as apostles at last of all like men sentenced to death because we have become a spectacle to the world to angels and to men we are fools for christ's sake but you are wise in christ we are weak but you are strong you are held in honor but we in disrepute to the present hour we hunger and thirst we are poorly dressed and buffeted and homeless and we labor working with our own hands When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and are still like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ, as I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? Right, so obviously there is certainly a lot there when we're talking about the cure to end division in the church. So I want you to consider, as we oftentimes do on this podcast, what your situation is. So consider your marriage if you want to start there. Or is there division with your children? their division with your grandkids is there division at work is there division in your church are you involved in 
in church ministry? Are you in governance? Are you in some type of leadership role and there's division? You know, recently my wife and I were having a discussion about certain, you know, people. Um, and it's just unfortunate that the, the division that is between some of these leaders is because of the, the pride that one wants more attention. And so the other wants attention and, and then how they, you know, literally are, are, are fighting over it and, 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 and always trying to outdo one another. Well, that creates division because then you have, again, we've been talking about this in this, in this letter in first Corinthians, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulos. And so they're intentionally trying to make the other look bad while look, making them look good, right? That's always the common thing we do in the flesh of pride because of pride. And so when we dive into this particular um, argument that Paul's laying out, we have to understand that what Paul's going to do here, as I read it, is he's going to be using himself as an example. Now, this is so important because in the situation you find yourself in, who is being the godly example? Who is the one that is actually testifying, not to the go- not just to the gospel, but they're living the gospel out? So right off the bat here, when Paul is saying, I've applied these things to myself and Apollos, again, I just read in the opening of this podcast, he was talking about the appointed time where light will reveal the darkness. It'll be exposed in the motives of our heart and God will uh, praise each one according to our stewardship, according to the way that we served him. So what Paul's already saying right off the bat is, these things I have applied to myself and Apollos. Now he brings Apollos in because people were trying to divide the two of them. So there's two things right off the bat here that we see. Number one is if you are not, if you don't have a person who is being the example, living out the gospel, and both people believe in the gospel, they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but either one or both are not living out the gospel there's going to be division. And number two is, is, is not allowing a person or a group of people to persuade you and another party to divide, particularly if there are uh, two leaders. So let's say there's two particular leaders. So Apollo, uh, Apollos was a leader, remember? He was raised up by Paul's ministry. But he was a very eloquent, very charismatic, very persuasive individual, unlike Paul. Paul wasn't. Now, Paul was brilliant, right? He was the most gifted and, and, and the smartest uh, person that existed in the early church, no question. And he had a lot of authority, and he was the, probably the most popular. But he didn't really carry a room the way that Apollos did. And this is interesting because I've had that in my own life in ministry with people. You know, if someone is jealous, I've been certainly jealous of people and that was wrong and confessed that. And I've had people who've been jealous over me and that causes division. But what we, what we need to make sure that happens is that both parties don't allow outside influences or even the intentions of their heart, right, to be darkened to where they are seeking to destroy the other person out of jealousy. So Paul does something very strategic here. He brings Apollos in and says, listen, Apollos and I are together. So you guys may be trying to divide us and, and saying what you like about Apollos and what you don't like about me. And, I, and no doubt, as a human being, I'm sure that hurt Paul, okay? But he's not going to let it defeat him. So you then notice the difference. 
So up to this point, Paul has raised the issue of division with these Corinthians. But this is important that he uses himself as an example. And that is a sign of a good, humble leader to say, listen, I'm the example and I want you to entrust yourselves with me because I entrust myself to the judgment of God. I ultimately know that I answer to God and I fear him. Now, what Paul is referring to here in verse six, again, goes back to verse five. That are that we will receive the praise from God, that that time will come, that appointed time. Now, the believer's Bible commentary says, out of a sense of Christian courtesy and delicacy, Paul transferred the entire matter to himself and Apollos so that by their example, the saints would learn not to have exaggerated opinions of their leaders or to gratify their pride by the formation of parties. He wanted the saints to evaluate everything and everyone by the scriptures. So this phrase here, not to go beyond what is written. So when he says, listen, we're the example we are entrusted uh, to God, and so we are praying that you guys will trust us in the leadership. But then he also challenges them to avoid division. Therefore, this is a, a cure, my friends, for division is don't go beyond what is written, meaning don't go beyond what you have. And what did they have? They had um, the Jewish scriptures. They had teachings from the apostles. They started to develop creeds by this point in the mid-50s when this letter was going out. So a lot of them had been copying um, talks that were coming from apostles, particularly Apollos, who's not an apostle, but definitely a leader and, and anointed by the Holy Spirit and directed and, and supported by apostles. And they had some of the teachings of Paul. And then as they're reading this inspired work up to this point, he's showing them, don't go beyond what you know to be of God, what's anointed by God. And what happens oftentimes was when people, again, they believe in the gospel, they say they believe in the infallible word of God, uh, they say they fear God, but they don't walk in obedience. They go beyond what is written in scripture. So when the Bible says clearly, do not think of yourself more highly. And when you do, you're going beyond what is written in scripture. And so Paul warns them not to do that. So it's another cure for division is not to separate ourselves from the clear teachings of God's word. Then he says, for who, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? So now each servant of Christ, remember, is given a specific gift. Now this is something that Paul's gonna be dealing with more clearly when we get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. But each servant of Christ has a gift or gifts, and they also, with those gifts, are given duties. They have responsibilities. And they are to be in full submission to God. So the thing is, like the Corinthians were doing, is again, they were taking not just their position in Christ, but their status in their culture. And they are determining their roles based on their status. But we don't determine our roles, nor should we seek to interfere in the callings of others. And we're not to say to God, well, this is what I think you should use me for. Or this is how I think you should use me. Or let's negotiate. Or I'm in if you let me do X and such. That's false. He says, if then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So the, the point is, is you, we are not to undermine the calling of God. So when something doesn't go our way and we weren't consulting God and we weren't seeking to be in full submission to God, we then blame him. 
But you're thinking, wait a second, what you were doing or how you were perceiving things or what you're hoping for was never guided by the Holy Spirit, was never according to his will. So why are you boasting in something that you did not deserve, but it was only by grace? And then if you did do something and it's to honor the Lord, you don't boast in that either. So again, if, if we are humble in these things, that is a cure for division. But when you are all about platform and personality and performance, etc., and gaining the reputation among people and thinking that that's going to achieve, you know, a greater status in your life. Therefore, you're going to have a more fruitful, peaceful, hopeful life. That is not the, the, the point here. That is not the, what, is, 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 what Christians are supposed to be attracted in doing. This is not this attraction. There's a conviction. There's an exaltation, not an attraction. The conviction is, is through the Holy Spirit, his work in John 16. And the exaltation is God is to be honored and glorified in and through us as a temple of the Holy Spirit. So then he says in verse 8, already you have all you want. Already you have become rich. Without us, you have become kings. And when and he says, and would that you did reign so that we might share in the rule with you. And the, in the English, they put an exclamation point. So in the Greek, if you look at the Greek, this verse comes off in the form of a rhetorical uh formality of questions and when what he's doing again this was a very classic case uh in judaism as well as in, in in greek philosophy and paul's using this rhetoric to expose the pride of the corinthians because what were they boasting in as we just saw in verse seven they're boasting in self-sufficiency and therefore they're giving themselves credit where credit is not due they're giving themselves credit for faith yet when you are relying or boasting in your self-sufficiency, uh, faith is then falsely applied because then it's all about prosperity in the world. And haven't we seen that, my friends? Maybe you've been affected by that. When somebody, you know, is all about self-sufficiency. So, so I just, I was watching a video and I was thinking about doing a, a response video on my YouTube channel about this, but I'm praying about it. I've met this individual uh, we're not friends. Um, I have friends who have worked with this individual. He has a very prominent uh, college ministry and he's appeared on TBN and other uh, platforms and networks with, I believe, a lot of false teachers. Um, I don't think this guy is as heretical as the people he associates with, but that's not a, that's never a good sign. And the reason I bring him up right now is because he was talking about a series that his team had put together and, it, and he just was praising them and you know how, how, how uh, professionally done it was and how expensive it was and you know you can get it for half off and that's a, such a, a great discount. I mean just he just kept going about this right and before he started whatever talk he was giving. But what he says and it was so disturbing was he says, listen, what this series will teach you is how to have faith. And when you really activate your faith, you'll never be sick in your life. And then he followed up by saying this, if some of you are thinking that's impossible, he says, because you don't have faith. He says, if some of you right now are sick and you're saying, well, that's impossible because I always get sick. He says, because you don't have faith. And then he pushed him all the more to buy the series so they can activate their faith 
and never be sick again. That, my friends, is completely and totally false. That right there is, again, what Paul's saying here in verse 8. That causes division because what you're doing is, is you're the front man. You become like the sole proprietor of God's truth, and you're conveying something that runs contrary to the very words of God. What do we just see what Paul said in verse 6? Do not go beyond what is written. This guy was clearly teaching something that goes beyond what is written in Scripture. This guy is clearly boasting in his self-sufficiency. Therefore, he measures his faith. His faith is like his his own thing. And, and that's what he can, it's like, like a Marvel character. It's like you have these, these, these powers and nobody else does. And the question is, are you going to use them for good or for bad? And so in a way, they complement themselves moralistically, spiritually, when they activate the superpower that they have known as faith and they activate it in God. But it's all about advancing prosperity in the world, not humility. So for the Christians, we lack nothing. Right? As Christians, I should say, we, we don't lack anything because Christ has given us all that we need. Now for the Corinthians, they were lacking nothing in terms of their status, uh, wealth. So clearly in this city, in the economy at this time was booming. They had comfortable lives. Right, And as a result of that, just like we're seeing in America, you're, you're seeing that people take advantage or, or they take for granted, I should say, their freedoms. And so the faith, they're not having to fight for their faith and the faith becomes sour and their loyalty in Jesus becomes next to nothing. It diminishes and all they care about is maintaining their status, the prestige, power, fame. H.P. Parker warns, he says, quote, it is positive disloyalty to seek our crown before the king gets his. Yet this is what some of the Christians at Corinth were doing. The apostles themselves were bearing the reproach of Christ, but the Corinthian Christians were rich and honorable. They were seeking a good time where their Lord and master had such a hard time. So now in verses 9 through 13, what Paul does is he's going to use himself as an example. And I think this is where we're going to finish off for today. And then we'll pick things up in the next podcast, if that's okay. Clearly, you're going to say, well, Jason, I can't say anything right now because you're pre-recording this. <laughs> but I know sometimes I get um, some emails, which I love getting from you guys. And some, sometimes people says, man, I just wanted you to keep going and really you know, dissecting this some, some more in the scriptures. And so I, I so appreciate that, where people really want to get... Uh, into exegetical teaching. But we're going to pause because I want to I, I want to ha- have verses 14 through 21 as a standalone. And there's actually, as I was looking at it before I started to record this episode, there's some areas that I wanted to kind of go a little bit deeper. So I think that will benefit us as a group um, uh, down the road. But notice here in verse 9, he says, For I think that God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death. Now, Again, Paul goes back. Remember, he was using himself as an example. He brings Apollos in. And now what he's doing is he's contrasting his life with those of his ministry colleagues and the faith that they were experiencing, the, the faith that was at hand based on how they were approaching their Christian faith. Now, we have to be very careful when we do this because oftentimes when people are making it seem like, hey, imitate me for I imitate Christ, but it's really about, 
you know, getting minions. It's really about getting people to follow them. And it's really about fan-based, right? And getting that recognition. And so they're using their, they, they employ the tactic again, like so many people do, unfortunately, not just in the domain of prosperity, but they get people attracted to them using Jesus and, and, and yet they're not really giving them Jesus. They're not really being an example the way that Jesus had called us to be an example. So when Paul's doing this, we clearly know when you, when you, it's not just an estimation, but it's an investigation. When you go, when you take a deep dive into the life of Paul, there's no question that we know that he was genuine when he says, imitate me for I imitate Christ. And so what he's going to do here in verses nine through 13, he's going to go through it. He's going to show them, like he says here, like men sentenced to death. Now, it's not clear in the language in the Greek and how Paul is utilizing this terminology. And, and some commentaries believe that Paul is referring to the Roman triumphal procession. Some people believe that this language sentenced to death is, is referring to the gladiators that were condemned in the Colosseum um, to convey his public life as an apostle was on full display. And I think that that's partly true because then he uses this word spectacle that actually has the Greek word theotron. Where we get the the Greek, where we get our word from, from Latin as well, from uh, that means theater, which means to show or to exhibit. So what Paul is doing actually, and this is a great way, not just a, not like a to employ a tactic, but this is a great way, uh, my friends, for us to to cure division is again going going back in humility, and recognizing people that have laid down their lives before Christ. Paul's life. And his many persecutions uh, were well testified. People know that. People know that Paul was laying down his life. And remember, no, no greater love has someone than to lay down their life. And that's what Paul was willing to do time and time again. But therein lies the problem. Because the Corinthians, they were living such lavish lives where they had this passivity, or I should say a passable faith. While Paul had a public faith, he and his companions, remember there was others with him that were, that, that were being persecuted. Jason in Acts 17, we see uh, Titus, uh, Timothy, they suffered greatly for their faith. Now, one of the writers got it. He captures the weight of Paul when he expressed this referring to the Corinthians. He says, quote, it was not time for the Corinthians to be self-complacent and boasting while the church was on the throne and the apostles were under the sword, end quote. And that's what's sad is when you look at this sectarian power that started to grow from the church ages and the bishops were on rise and you started to have this ecumenical supremacy, that resulted not only to a defamation, but a self-complacency among many people. And you want to talk about teaching things that go beyond scripture, so this word spectacle, I, I think we have to apply in our lives, my friends, by saying, what are people seeing in our lives? What do they see that's on display? Again, not showing off and not trying to do like this live stream type of thing and get people to follow you like you have something important to say. But we do, right? As children of God, we have the gospel. We have the good news. That is the most important message that we can convey to people in the world. But not done in a way where we're showing off or not done in a way where um, it becomes about us, but we are a spectacle. 
we are to show people, we are to have our lives that is being exhibited out there for people to test, okay? And, and to see and to verify that, that how we live, what we say and how we live uh, co- corresponds to scripture. So then he says here in verses 10 and following, we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are in disrepute. So in Greek culture, the Corinthians place high value on one's status. So what Paul's doing here, he's arguing against the standardized practice in Corinth. Remember, he's stripping down saying, you guys want attention over here, but the attention that we get is, is our lives are on full display. Our lives are, are out there for people to witness and to see, and which is one reason why we are being persecuted publicly because we are publicly sharing our faith. I think a big reason why so much division is out there is because so often Christians don't want to engage. They're afraid. It's one reason I wrote, challenge, I, I wrote the book Challenging Conversations is to help Christians not be avoiders, but to help them to be an advocate of God's truth. So when you look at Paul's aim here, he was not advancing his own agenda. He was not advancing his own reputation. That's what the Corinthians were doing. No, what Paul's apostolic calling was, was, was to be involved in, in whatever means necessary through rejection, through persecution, through suffering, to whatever degree. It was not about him regarding himself, but rather him serving the Lord. It wasn't about the world standards that he was to look at, to measure up to. No, he was to, to, to measure his life in step with Jesus. And so in verses 11 through 13, he talks about them going through a lot of poverty and hunger and labor and being persecuted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is another passage in the next letter that he writes where he goes back to this very thing. And again, you guys, this is very powerful because Paul expresses that our treasure is in jars of clay. And when we focus on that, Rather than oftentimes these petty things that we argue over, we have to remind ourselves these very words in scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7 through 12, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Notice that, that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. See, this is what's so powerful is that Remember, being that example, that spectacle for people to see, for people to be convicted, to p- people to say it is undeniable that there's something uniquely powerful in this person's life. Well, the answer is Jesus Christ in this person. And so when, when you and I are facing division, who is willing to carry their body of death the way that Jesus intended us to do it? so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. My friends, that is a cure to division. Sooner or later, all faithful followers of Jesus Christ will be persecuted for their faith. How do I know that? Well, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. So let me say this before I close. 
because I have one other verse I want to share with you in Romans 8, 17. You might be facing division in your life because you're faithfully living for God. And whether it's out of jealousy, whether it's out of discontent, discontentment with you, whether it's somebody who's disgruntled, um, whatever the reason that you're facing division, that could be a form of persecution to some degree. And the cure for that, again, is what we've been talking about, is the way you live your life before the Lord and you let him be the judge. And don't feed it. Don't give into it. We're told in Romans 8, 17, and if children, okay, remember, this is what Paul does here. He's sharing with the Romans as, as he's alluding to here in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and what I read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 12 and 2 Timothy 3, 12. What he says here in Romans 8, 17, that the prerequisite in you know, sharing in Christ's sufferings is a prerequisite to sharing in his glory. Let me say that again. What, what Romans 8, 17 is going to be doing, what, what he, or should say, what he's going to be saying to us is that a prerequisite that we have to share in his glory is we have to suffer. So he says, if you are, if you're a child, then you're heirs and you're heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, providing we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So a cure to ending division in our lives is to know who we belong to and to know that we will suffer and we're not going to use that suffrage to blame or attack other people. So my friends, I pray that whatever you're faced with right now in your life, taking this passage of scripture and seeing Paul as an example Let's not complain. Let's not be discontent. Let's not be disgruntled. Let's not cause more division. Let's not only just turn the other cheek, but let's pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work in the lives of people. I'm dealing with that in my life. I'm not completely removed from division in my life, but one thing that I pray the Holy Spirit will continue to, to work in my life and, and, and show me his word is not to create division and not to feed division, but to be someone as an heir of God's glory as a child of God, and I pray this over you, my friends, that you would be a conduit, you would be a vessel, you'd be a person who's in jars of clay that would be the solution and the power of the Holy Spirit to end division. And if you see it brewing, if you see it's coming, that you will confront that instead of looking the other way. And if you, by, by chance, in your life, you have a lot, God has blessed you, you've benefited tremendously, and right now, financially, you're living the, the, you know, the, the, the best years of your life. But you also find yourself with all these tremendous earthly blessings that you inwardly, spiritually are complacent. Well, let me tell you something. You know what causes division there? Is pride, is greed, selfishness. And if that's the case, hey, before you get off this podcast, before you stop listening that you would take time, or even if you do, you end this right now, that you will, you will pause and you'll pray and you'll ask God to work in your heart. Let me, let me actually pray that for all of my listeners right now. Lord, I just pray for all of my faithful brothers and sisters out there. Lord, right now as I'm praying, I know of friends who are battling cancer. Lord, right now as I'm praying, as we ended this, 
uh, passage in 1 Corinthians 4, there's division that are in churches right now, in families. And I pray to the God of hope and peace, to the God of great comfort, that you will comfort the lives of my brothers and sisters all around the world, that you do a great and mighty work in them. In Christ's name we do pray, amen. My friends, if you pray that prayer, let me know. You can contact us by sending an email to info at And as always, go check out all the, the resources that we have on the website, standstrawministries.org. And by the way, our new book, Hijacking Jesus, How Progressive Christians Are Remaking Him and Taking Over the Church with Salem Books is out September 12th, if you're listening to this, September 12th of 2023. So if you are listening to this after that date, man, go on Kindle, buy the book, get a hard copy, get the Kindle, get the audio book and leave us a review. And listen, I would love it if you guys would share with more people about not just this podcast, but hijacking Jesus. Because one thing for sure that we do to safeguard people, Christians, is to teach them God's word. And one thing I do in hijacking Jesus is I expose historically biblically, theologically, and spiritually the hijacking that's going on among progressive Christians that they undermine the very infallibility of God's word. And on this podcast, we stand strong in believing that God's word is infallible and there's nothing to replace it. We don't interpret scripture entirely metaphorically like progressive Christians do. So that's why this is a huge resource for you to get your copy you can get it wherever books are sold but i encourage you guys to go to our website to get more information about hijacking jesus on the front page we have a banner there click it it will take you to where your books are sold uh, whatever outlet that you use christian books uh, amazon barnes and noble salem books whatever it's available for you guys to take advantage of that so thank you, my friends, for listening to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We will pick things up next week as we continue this discussion on the cure for division and in the church. Until next time, keep standing strong in the Word of God. Music.